You're listening to Three Kitchens, a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Join your hosts, Aaron Walker, Sarah Somosunderam, and Heather Dyer to talk all about home cooking. Hey everybody, we have a podcast recommendation for you, our fellow ABN member Mess Hall podcast. Join hosts Avery and Lena as they sample, rate, and talk about fun food. I like this podcast, obviously because they talk about food, but they also throw in some history and fun facts about each episode's food theme. I listened the other day to one about marshmallows. Remember those marshmallow candies in the shape of strawberries? Turns out Lena's a huge fan. (laughs) I'm not sure I was. Anyway, they're a married couple, so you know there'll be some disagreements and fun ridicule in their banter, and there absolutely is. So check them out. You can find Mess Hall Podcast wherever you listen, and you'll also find them at messhallpodcast.podbean.com. For more fun and informative shows, go to albertapodcastnetwork.com. Right. Welcome to this episode of Three Kitchens podcast. I'm Heather Dyer. I'm here with my co-host, Sarah Somasundram. Hi, Sarah. Hello. And Aaron Walker. Hello, Aaron. Hello. And today we have a special guest here with us. Dennis Litley is a retired chef and culinary instructor. Currently, you can find him on his blog at askchefdennis.com where he's on a mission to show people at home that creating delicious restaurant quality meals is not as hard as it seems. Hi, Dennis. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for having me here today. I'm really happy to be with you all. Thank you. We're really excited about it. Yeah. Did I miss, did I miss anything in that little introduction? No, nah, that's, that's plenty. You know, <laughs> we, we, we could go on for a while, but that would just be like ego. You know, it's just, no, it's fine. <laughs> Hey, we can make this the Dennis show if you want. It can be. I mean, <laughs> no, there, there was a day, but now I'm, I'm as my wife says, the kinder, gentler chef, Dennis. You know, I, I just don't. It's, it's nice to think that maybe we all kind of will relax when we hit like retirement where we can act. That's what it's supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be retirement, but I actually work more now than I did. <laughs> oh, do you? When I was a chef, it's not as physically demanding. But time wise, you know, I'll still spend 10 to 12 hours a day working. You know, people think, oh, it's it's like opening a restaurant. People think, oh, I'm going to make so much money. It's going to (laughs) be wonderful. And, you know, people go into blogging thinking, oh, I'm going to be the next pioneer woman and I'm going to be rich. And, you know, it it doesn't work out that way. (laughs) No, we call this our hardcore hobby because it's not really... It's you fun, know, and, it's but it's fun, a lot of work. But it's so much work, yeah. That and that's the key, and I think that's what I everybody needs to take away: finding something that's fun that you don't dread getting up every morning doing. And, you know, and for the most of my career as a chef, I didn't feel that way. You know, towards the end, it, with all the injuries I had, and I was just tired of politics. You know, and no matter where you are, politics work into into work, and right. I was just tired of it. And when we, I was ready when we moved, but then I was bored. And then I started blogging more and then started getting into social media more. And then the next thing you know, it's like, oh, I thought I was retired. <laughs> <laughs> well, we really love this passion that you have to help cooks at home elevate their everyday meals. So what inspired you to bring these restaurant style recipes to home cooks? Well, you know, I always enjoyed cooking and sharing what I made. And in the beginning, you know, the time when chefs didn't share anything, everything was proprietary. And then Mm. 
I started teaching the culinary course. And I think that's what really sparked the interest in spreading the word, uh, spreading the gospel of food. And um, <laughs> it was important to me then to make sure I, I didn't leave anything out of a recipe that I, that I gave them all the tools they needed to get it as close as humanly possible to something I would make. Nowadays, when you ask a chef, if you go out to eat and you ask a chef for the recipe, nine times out of 10, they're going to give it to you because they know you're never going to recreate it quite as well right. and, and and it's not be and it's, it's not for lack of skill but it's just where you source your ingredients so part of the whole journey and teaching people isn't just about the skill set it's about sourcing ingredients number mm. one number two you know a little bit of equipment and number three is uh having passion in the kitchen and that comes down to cooking what you like to eat not cooking what someone else likes to eat oh so, interesting mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's kind of how I structured things when I decided to bring this message forward and, and try and help people. Because a lot of the things that I take for granted and, and people will write to me and they'll ask me questions and you have to go back to that. There is no stupid question. Well, there are, but, <laughs> but, but when it comes to, to skills that you necessarily don't have, there aren't. And I have to take a deep, you know, I'll go, oh my God, why would they add? And then I say, oh yeah, I got to remember, you know, not everybody just doesn't intuitively know this, you know, take a deep breath. And then I'll try to answer the question as best as possible. And, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what made me become Ash Chef Dennis. You know, I started that early on and someone said, you should be Ash Chef Dennis. I'm like, really? So it, it kind of stuck. It's my brand and it's, it's helped along the way. Mm-hmm. Going with that blog, what, what are some of the most common questions you get from your followers? You know, they vary. A lot of times it's as simple as they don't quite understand an instruction. Uh, and, and a lot of times it's my fault. I haven't explained it clearly enough, which is good. Uh, but it's usually like, you know, something didn't go right. And they want to know what they did wrong, you know, and that's a really hard question to Mm -hmm. answer because I wasn't there. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, so you have to kind of narrow it down, you know, like tiramisu is my, my biggest post ever. It's always been, uh, I get letters from people worldwide about it. uh, And it's, it's not complicated, but if you're a novice and you're not sure what you're doing, it can just be a little tricky. So, you know, I just had someone write me that they, their eggs and sugar curdled. Why did they curdle? I said, well, you had over too much heat. You know, that was pretty easy. Can I use them? I said, no, just throw them out. I'm sorry, throw them out and start again, because there's not a whole lot you can do with that mess at that point. There might be something I'll have to Google. What can I do with curdled eggs and and sugar? (laughs) Because there might be something you can make out of it, you know, that it Mm -hmm. won't matter. Um, those are the most common is I made a mistake along the way. Uh, do you have any idea what I did wrong? It's not like it. And I have so many different types of recipes. It's not like it's related to just one thing. So uh, right. over Thanksgiving in the U.S., that was like a crazy time for me uh, two years ago. This mm. year wasn't as bad, but people panicking with their turkeys day off. So I pretty much had to sit at the computer the day before and just try and help people because they, you know, they're in real time situations and they're panicking. And, you know, when you get it typed three times, the question, you know, that they're really, they're really in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, days like that, I would try to make myself available, you know, to, to, that's nice. This is so interesting compared to, you know, when all you have is a cookbook. Oh yeah. And you follow a recipe and something, something curdles and goes, it's like, uh, well, I can't call Julia Child and ask her. Like, yeah. I, don't, <laughs> yeah. I mean, not even just because she's no longer living, but because <laughs> at the time, like if all you were cooking from was that, right. 
Yeah. You didn't have access to the person who wrote the recipe. No. So having a blog, it's like you were there 24 seven. It's amazing to get instant feedback like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I do try to answer as often as I can in real time, you know, and sometimes it just doesn't happen. Or sometimes I get a question yeah. that stumps me and I have to think about it for a while because, you know, or people will ask me how to make something, you know, a lot of, how can I translate your recipe into a gluten-free or how can I, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I can't have dairy. I can't have nuts. Well, and I'm like, I don't write those kind of recipes. You know, I could right. do it. It's going to take some time. And I honestly don't have that kind of time to dedicate. There's a lot of people out there that do that kind of stuff and are really, right. really good at it. And I'll then try and recommend some of my friends that do that because I have friends across all different mm. types of blogs. But, you know, I, I feel bad not being able to answer them. And on the other note, you know, I'm not their personal chef. <laughs> yeah. I want to be helpful, but, you know, I only have, you know, so much time and, and I usually get paid a lot for that. So <laughs> <laughs> we find that a lot because we often do modify what we're doing. Yeah. We have picky kids or yeah. we have intolerances ourselves mm -hmm. or, you know, yeah. so trying to adjust a recipe to like, for me, it's dairy is an issue. So mm -hmm. I'm always like, what could the dairy alternative be? And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there are so many new alternatives now mm -hmm. you know, uh, that mm -hmm. things have gotten a lot easier. And sometimes I know, like, I, you know, I use coconut oil. I have used, uh, cashew milk and almond milk and oat milk. So I, I kind of have an idea. Uh, the first time I tasted earth balance, I went, oh my God, this tastes like butter. I was like shocked. <laughs> you know. So, so, I mean, I have used some different things and I have an idea, but when it gets into baking, a lot of times it's science. And mm. I, I tr someone asked me about changing the flowers out in my artisan bread. And I said, you know, that artisan flour you bought has an 18% protein count. I said, the right. flour I'm using has 11%. That's going to change it. Yeah, it, it's going to change the chemical structure. That was one of the things I learned about with gluten-free baking was when you use different flours, you got to get them to add up to that right percentage for what you're changing. And once, oh. once that light bulb went off, I went, Oh my God, this, this one woman, I went to a seminar and she, that's all she did was gluten-free. And she's saying that and says, well, hell that makes a lot of sense. So if yeah. you're using almond flour, it's 7.2 and sorghum flour or whatever it is. And then this, you got to get it to balance out with the weights of each type of flour mm. to average. So you get it. to do chemistry, like yeah, <laughs> molecular chemistry. That <laughs> uh, was never, never my strong point. I like to make things blow up, but other than that. <laughs> Not in the kitchen. Maybe. No, no, never in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so. so interesting. I'd never heard that. Yeah. Substituting yeah that's a, that's a good just, tip. Yeah. It just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know every now and then you get these light bulb moments and you go like someone posted one yesterday and it was a light bulb moment for me. It says that the numbers on your toaster dial are not degrees of darkness. They are minutes. And I went, what? <laughs> is that true for every toaster? I it don't. is. Well, maybe that's not something I just learned too. I didn't know that. Maybe yeah, not the met a... metric toasters. I don't know in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> no metric idea. minutes. Metric. <laughs> so, so that was like another, you know, it's, you get these mind blowing moments sometimes that you just, you know, you just can't believe things. Uh, so yeah, that's, that was like, well, that makes, 
it a little easier to understand if I was going to do something. But, you know, they make all these ready to use gluten free flours now that, you know, those are what I usually use when I make something gluten free. And it's like no brainer. It's cup for cup. So cool. I was going to ask, like with the baking and everything, we notice a lot because we're higher up where we are, that that plays into all of our baking. It's amazing how much of a difference it makes. And we are constantly, constantly learning and adjusting for that. Yeah, you know, that's something I have never experienced because I've always mm. lived in the same kind of altitude. You know, I went from Texas to New Jersey to Florida, and I've, I've only visited high altitude places a couple of times, and I've never cooked in them when I was there. First time I did in Utah, I thought I was dying because I'm walking, I'm going, I can't breathe. And then some, <laughs> and someone goes, dummy, you're at altitude. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> but you know, having to cook that way, you know, I know it affects time and temperature. And, and that is really, that again, chemistry, you know, science just blows my mind that it comes into that. Mm-hmm. I, I guess oven and sauteing would take a different amount of time too, again, just because the heat would react differently. Yeah. We find anytime we, you cook a, a roast or a chicken, I mean, we always discuss these recipes. And then when we get to the time, we're always like, We'll just add to it and check it. You have to be able to cook to doneness and know when you want to pull it out because whatever time they've recommended, almost nine times out of 10 will never work. <laughs> you know, that's that's why I almost almost in every post that I roast something, I recommend getting an oven thermometer. One of those probe ones they make now. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah. pro, the probe goes in it and the, it sits out, you know, the wire comes out and you have a little monitor that tells you what temperature you can set it for whatever di- doneness you want. That, that's really been a big help, you know, because then you don't have to constantly monitor and worry and keep opening the oven and checking the temperature, which, you know, lets heat out, which readjusts, and then it throws the whole cooking scheme off. So uh, I think that's something, especially at altitude that I would definitely, definitely get. Good mm-hmm. tip. Yeah. I think Heather has one of those and it seems to be, yeah, it saves me. <laughs> and also sometimes you're cooking something Maybe you have something in the oven that you can't see. You can't see it. Like uh, yeah. just before Christmas, we, I, Sarah and I both, we made beef Wellington and that's in pastry. You right. can't see the meat and you can't nope. quite like, you can't see what it's doing in there. So the thermometer uh-huh. is like a lifesaver. Oh, absolutely. Especially, you know, I, I'll roast some bigger pieces of meat too. So, and now my wife has to have everything like, well, 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 well done. No, no signs of life at all. And, 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 and I like mine the cowboy way, which is just, you know, pull its horns off, wipe its butt and run it across the grill. <laughs> so how do you manage that for the two of you? Well, if it's the, if a big enough piece of meat, I, I end up getting it medium rare, which I can eat and tolerate for her to get it well done. But she gets the ends. And then sometimes I will just cut the ends off, throw them in a saute pan with some au jus and let finish cooking a little bit more right Uh hi there i'm brendan a certified home inspector with Rumi. do you have a problem that needs fixing whether it's big or small inside or outside let me help you find out what's really going on you can call me by phone or we can take a look together over video chat visit roomy.ca that's r-u-m-i.ca and go to ask a home inspector to book your appointment with me today the pandemic has had me source food a lot differently. I mean, I, as a chef, I always had people that would just come to me and I knew I was buying good quality or I could specify what kind of quality I wanted. I would find the purveyors that, that really sold the upper level of products. Grocery store shopping can be like a crapshoot. 
especially when it comes to meats, because you don't always know the age of them, the quality of them. Uh, no. Sometimes they cut them there. Sometimes they're just shipped in. And the origin, you know, where are they from? What were they, were they grass fed? Were they, you know, like we have a big chain called Publix and they have this Greenway product that's supposed to be organic or better. But I asked them about the meats. I said, what makes it better? Well, it's from Florida. I said, well, that can't just be it. <laughs> yeah. What else do you do? What, what else makes it special? You know, why is it better? So mm -hmm. I've started, uh, you know, there's a lot of good meat companies out there and I've started sourcing it. And one I use in particular, and again, I don't know if they deliver to Canada or not as a uh, crowd cow. As long as you pack a hundred dollars worth of products in there, it's free delivery for me. And I usually get it in like two days and mm. I, I know it's grass fed but it's all pasture raised and they're animals that are allowed to be animals. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Like free range. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're allowed to, they're allowed to have a little joy in their life before we eat them. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and the pork industry is just horrible. Uh, and that's, that was the first thing I did was I went to like farm raised pork where I knew that they were allowed to be pigs because pigs right. are as, pigs are as smart as dogs. You know, so that's kind of, you know, you don't want to treat them that way. But, you know, that's, that's again, you know, finding there's, there's sources out there that you can find and uh, get better quality. And honestly, it might be a little more expensive, but I know in the States, we've got this mentality that more is better. So we tend to overeat protein. Mm. You know, it was always, let's fill the plate with protein where it should right. just be basically like one third of the plate and the other two thirds should be vegetables. You know, we, we've, we've really perverted the system of how we eat and uh, we eat way too much protein. Huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we're the same. So buy the good stuff and eat less yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's basically mm -hmm. it. You know, have a nice starch. It's going to help fill you up a good vegetable with some color on your plate. And, and it's like our mothers or grandmothers always told us, you know, it's the colorful vegetables that are the best right. for you, you know, right. and then not uh, cooking them to death. So you get every last nutrient out of it, you know, make it, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh. yeah. Um, so you said the most common recipe was tiramisu on your blog. Well, it's the most popular. Yeah. The most popular <laughs> one. Yeah. And another one that you said, another few popular ones are chicken marsala and um, turkey, but what is a recipe on your blog that you would like people to check out that maybe is not as popular? Mm. I, I think one of the things that people have a hard time cooking are, are seafood. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As a restaurant chef on the East Coast with access to lots of really fresh seafood, I had a great time with it. If you wanted something simple like a fruta de mar, which is a nice broth, garlic sauce, garlic aioli kind of sauce uh, with clams and mussels and shrimp, you know, any kind of a, oh. a steak fish. And, and again, fish, oh. you almost need to cook like even salmon. You can't cook it all the way. You got to mm. cook it. I saw someone that was cooking it for 45 minutes and I almost died going, oh my God. <laughs> That's like, that's like a sin against humanity. I want to make my own crimes against humanity cards and it'll be cooking errors. <laughs> oh, so smart. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. I think I, you can sell that. Yeah. I, I need to contact Milton Bradley about that. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, any of my seafood dishes, if you've ever wanted to cook seafood, one of the simplest, if you have access to fresh clams, mm -hmm. one of the simplest meals you'll ever prepare is clams and linguine. Give me 12 minutes and I'll give you clams and linguine. Okay. Wow. 
Uh, and that's only because it takes the pasta. I use. Uh, it takes 11 minutes to cook the pasta. So that's why I'm saying, you know, drain it, serve it. But the clams, the biggest effort that you have in making clams and linguine is making sure they're clean. So, I mean, I will rinse them for about a half an hour. I'll let them soak. I'll dump it. I'll rinse them. I'll let it soak. I'll dump it just to get the sand and the grit out of it. That's all. But yeah, you, you saute olive oil, chopped garlic, a little crushed red pepper, Saute the garlic for about 30 seconds, put the clams in, cover it, or fresh chopped basil, cover it, and then just let them steam open for about eight minutes until they all open. The broth that the clams make is amazing. And then if you want to add a little other seasoning to it, fresh chopped parsley or a little granulated onion or garlic, you can, and just serve it over linguine. And it's just amazing. It's a restaurant quality meal that you'll make faster than getting in a car and driving to the local take, you know, to the local fast food store. You know, it's just amazing at half the cost, if that, of going out to eat. Because Mm -hmm. we are landlocked here. Right. We do see clams and mussels that are sitting in those tubs in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Is that something that you would say, oh yeah, sure. Do it with that. And it will be, it'll be good. Or, or should I just wait until I, you know, run away to the ocean someday when I retire. No, I, yeah, no, because, and our local grocery store has wonderful clams and mussels. Mm. Okay. Uh, they're, they're generally going to be all farm raised at that point, which is okay. okay. So, you know, that's not a bad option when they're fresher, they're full of uh, liquid of lick. They call it actually liquor. Uh, they're full of it and, oh, okay. um, and they'll make a better broth. Okay. So they open as you cook them. Yes. When clams open, they're cooked. If when you get the bag from the grocery store, they are open, throw them away. They are dead. Uh-huh. I also have some great clam appetizers. I made clam casino, which was a favorite of um, the Jersey shore, which has got bacon, oregano, onions, peppers, mm-hmm. and lots of butter and little breadcrumbs. And you mix oh. it, you, put, you pack the clam on top of it. And it's like, oh, heaven. Um, Yum. No kidding. <laughs> but it gets expensive. But it's, again, it's not something you're going to eat every day of the week. You know, no. it's, it's, but it's something you need to get into your diet too. So you plan ahead and maybe you have chicken or pasta with vegetables one day to kind of make up for the expense and balance the cost of it. Right. And that yeah. splurge, the splurge is on some really good seafood. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So farm raised right, right. a lot of times, if it's in the States, if it's in Canada, we have a little more control over it. We, we have a little more faith in it. But yeah. when it's coming from other countries, uh, you know, it, uh, I, I want to be sure what I'm eating. And um, just when you were talking about the seafood recipe with your clams, we noticed with both of them that you talked about granulated onion. Right. And is that like something that's more flavorful in your opinion? Or is that like your little tip for instead of fresh onion sometimes? Oh, no. Fresh onion is always a good choice when you can. But it's just a spice to boost the flavor. So when I had my mise en place set up at the restaurant, you know, all my ingredients that I would make dishes from all night long and and old habits die hard. I had three, three spices, actually four spices that were there on my counter that I would use religiously in many of the dishes. There was black pepper, granulated garlic, 
and granulated onion. Mm. And then I had crushed red pepper. Okay. That was not used anywhere near as much. So we made chicken marsala kind of three different ways. Mm -hmm. I stuck as closely as I could to the classic chicken marsala recipe on your blog. Okay. But instead of mushrooms, because my kids have a big aversion to mushrooms, I used uh, eggplant and sun-dried tomatoes I put in there. Very nice. And it was very good. And instead of the heavy cream, just Mm -hmm. because of the dairy uh, sensitivity, I use sour cream, which worked perfectly well. And we ended up with two different types of marsala. Erin bought a bottle and she and Sarah shared it in their recipes. And I had bought a different bottle. And the one I bought, I swear it was like syrup. Like so sweet. It was crazy. Uh, Can I comment? (laughs) Yeah. So when I was mm-hmm. heating yours up in the pan, my son was also making some food on the stove at the same time. And he said, why does that smell like waffles? <sighs> because the smell of it was like syrup. It was like a syrup. Wow, it really? smelled it. And it did. Like I was washing the pan yeah. later and I was like, this smells like I made waffles in this pan. <laughs> That's I, I have never encountered a marsala like that. Um, it was, what was uh, the brand? It's uh, Speroni Cremova. Huh. No, I don't know. My husband actually said, this reminds me of chicken and waffles. (laughs) That's what he said. That would have been perfect for that. (laughs) Not necessarily a bad thing then, but yeah. Uh, No, no. it was delicious, but very sweet. I'm not sure I would buy that same wine again. I I would not. And again, uh, a a sweet Marsala should never be sweet. It's just Mm. a a different type of nuttiness than the dry Mm. Marsala. And it's a different little bit of mouthfeel, but it should never be sweet. Now, the one I use when I can find it is Pellegrino. The other one is Crabari. Uh, Crabari is about a third of the price of Pellegrino and is not quite as strong, but has that flavor. I saw the Pellegrino at the store, but I didn't buy it because I think it said dry on the label. That's okay. They have dry. I mean, if you can't find sweet, dry is fine. I just yeah. prefer, I prefer sweet. And sometimes you'll find a Pellegrino that has nothing on it. And in some instances, I know Florio is one uh, that has a, an acceptable uh, Marsala not, a, not my first choice, but it's good. But I, mm-hmm. and again, I, I ordered a case of Pellegrino because I couldn't find it around here. And I do use so little of it. The cost isn't, you know, I'm not sitting there watching football guzzling a bottle of Pellegrino. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the cost isn't prohibitive. <laughs> <laughs> they they did have the Pellegrino at the store. Uh, just okay. A note for know. us. Yeah, for we right. did. We ended up buying uh, for Sarah and I. We did get the Florio. Oh, Florio's good. Which was okay, and yeah. it was it said Dolce it. on it, so I okay. assumed it was yeah. the sweet one. And then thanks, Aaron. <laughs> but now we know the Pellegrino. I'd like to try that. Yeah, and, and yeah, again, yeah. You know, think of it when you're making not just when you're making chicken marsala. Think of it when you're making pork chops. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're making meatloaf, uh, yeah. a, a nice marsala sauce, you know, and again, if you don't like mm-hmm. mushrooms, you can use, put some, try some spinach and those sun-dried tomatoes are wonderful, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, but make a yeah. nice little marsala sauce and you can either thicken it up. Uh, you can either make a little slurry with butter and flour just so that you know, let it cook a little while. So it's a little runny and then mix that into it. Yeah. Sarah made meatballs, made the chicken marsala meatballs. Okay. I'm, I knew both of them were going to make something very close to the traditional one mm-hmm. that you had. So I went with your meatball recipe and then I served it with pasta. Okay. 
and I coated the pasta with the sauce. Okay. It was so good. Oh, good. I've never yeah. had chicken marsala before. Mm-hmm. And for me, I knew my kids were not going to like it. So I made it for my husband and myself. Okay. So I put the mushrooms in and I think the mushrooms were key. That flavor. Oh, it's so it, good. It was really good. It's mm-hmm. the earthiness that goes in with the marsala. Mm-hmm. And, and, mm-hmm. and then yeah. even using different kinds of mushrooms, if you have available, will change it and, and add more depth to it. Uh, yeah. so it, it's, it's kind of an experiment, you know, and this is where you want to go. You know, you, the, the one Marsala didn't work out. You saw it I and mean, it was okay, but it wasn't what you wanted. So this Marsala worked, you tried the meatballs and then you start to think, well, that sauce was really good. It would be nice with something else. Yeah. I don't think Erin has oh. shared what she did with her chicken Marsala. Oh, I did it very similarly to, to Heather. Hmm? I did it in a cast iron pan. Okay. So instead of finishing it up all on the stove top. After I fired the the chicken and the vegetables and made mm-hmm. the sauce, then I popped it all back into the oven and let it okay. cook for about 20 minutes. Okay. And that made it nice and tender and the yep. juices. Mm-hmm. I use mushrooms, even though okay. I knew my kids would protest. Yeah. As long as the mushroom didn't end up on their plate, <laughs> yes. I wouldn't hear about it. Okay. So I also put zucchini in. Mm-hmm. And I would say I put the zucchini in a bit too soon. It softens. It softens too quick. And as soon as I threw it in the pan and started cooking it, I was like, uh, maybe I shouldn't have put these in yet. Yeah. However, it still all tasted delicious. Yeah. And I over thickened mm-hmm. my thought sauce a bit because I okay. think I, I was a little too uh, excited about putting my butter in the flour. And I, yeah. I think I overflowered my butter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> okay. I got a little bit too excited smushing it into the flour anyway. But, it's fun. I know. <laughs> But now I'm now that I learned by going too far, mm-hmm. the next time I go to thicken something, I'll, I'll maybe hold back just a little bit. But yeah. I really, I mean, is there anything better than butter to finish it off at the end? Oh, no. oh, you, know, no. <laughs> you always want to finish a dish with a flavor you can taste. So butter finishing, or if you're serving a pasta dish, it, you know, if you can find like a really, really good extra virgin olive oil that has some incredible mm. flavors, you don't, you don't want to cook it. You want that flavor to just be there pronounced. So, you know, yeah. that's like when you cook, you use okay oil. When you finish, you use the best you can find. Uh, and that's the same thing with butter. You know, French cooking hmm. is always finishing in butter or the little bit of cream at the end. It's just finishing it with it or another non-dairy, you know, like you said, you sour cream. That's mm-hmm. great. Greek yogurt. That's great. You know, anything along those lines is fine. Uh, uh, that non-dairy butter, uh, like I said, earth balance would probably, I, I don't think I used it to thicken, but it would probably work really well. I, yeah, I really liked the recipe. I thought it was great. Good. So it was, it was really fun to find out how many different ways we could adapt it. Cause yeah. we, we've all got yeah. these, you know, different families. We have different mm-hmm. methods that we're more comfortable using or whatever. And all the ingredients just, yeah. It came together so easy, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been Great throwing idea. it in to just deglaze the pan here and there mm-hmm. when yeah. I'm cooking pretty much anything this last week. And it's been, yeah, it's such a great flavor. Yeah, it's really flavor, tasty yeah. mm-hmm. and great recipe that you can yeah. do it any which yeah. way, like do it to however suits you. It's fantastic. Yeah. And then one day I had pepperoni, I threw pepperoni in it and that really, <gasps> that really, mm-hmm. that was a keeper. That was good. I would not have thought. Oh, I forgot that. I remember you mentioning yeah. that yeah. and yeah. I was going right. to try it and then it walked out. Unfortunately, oh, okay. yeah. next time. <laughs> That happens to me when I'm cooking. It kind of walks out and I go, oh. Oh, I was going to do the whatever. Oh, yeah. I didn't I was, put that thing in here that I was yeah. going to do. Yeah. 
On that topic, how do you find, um, when you write on the blog and you put your recipes on there, if it's a classic recipe, do you have to adjust it much to make it something that you put your name on? Like, how does that work in terms of, so I would say a lot of these recipes would go back so far that nobody really owns it, right? I think with some of those, it's, it's exactly right. You know, like making Marsala or making a chicken cordon bleu. I don't know who invented it. You know, if I can yeah. find it in Wikipedia, I will sometimes mention it. I'm just giving some background on it. Uh, if mm-hmm. I get a recipe from someone else that I have seen, it'll be inspired by... Like when I try to find things to make, like I, I used to love going to the bookstore. I'd get a big coffee and I just thumb through their magazines and I would look uh, men especially, but I am very visual. And I would look at the pictures and go, Ooh, pretty. That looks good. You know, and I would uh, take a picture of the finished dish. Mm-hmm. I might glance at the recipe, but I would never take a picture of the recipe, just the finished dish. Mm-hmm. And then I would go home and I would recreate it. So uh, at that point, however it's being made is mine because I don't I don't really remember what they put in it. So we had uh, we had something planned, this sort of a rapid fire mm-hmm. question for, okay. for you. Can we put you on the spot? <laughs> is this the lightning round? This is the yeah. lightning round. Let's exactly. do lightning round. <laughs> Sarah, why don't you start us off then? Okay. Which do you prefer, cooking at home or cooking in your restaurant? Cooking in my restaurant. Would you like to know why or just the answer? (laughs) Go for it. Yeah. I I, I prefer cooking in the restaurant because I I have access to a lot more ingredients in one spot. I can get really creative and I can make a a lot more people happy. Mm, (laughs) That's a great reason. That's a really good one. For me, it's all about making people happy with food. Awesome. Okay. How about finish this sentence? Peanut butter and? Jelly. Jelly. I'm sorry. He's classic. Peanut butter and not just jelly, but strawberry. And actually actually preserves, you know. Uh Ah, yeah. yeah. See, it's not just the plain old. It's (laughs) No. no. Okay. Very particular. I like it. All right. And And white bread. It's got to be oh. white bread too, uh-huh. like wonder wonder bread kind of white bread. Oh, I agree. I totally am with you there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Is there a guilty pleasure food? Uh, Even though you're a chef and you're eating all over the place, does that McDonald's hamburger still get you? Or <laughs> if I if I do stop at McDonald's, it's going to be a double cheeseburger with extra cheese, and it's going to be two of them. Okay. Oh. <laughs> And that is my my fast food of choice. Uh, if I if I do go to one, and there is one, and every now and then, if I have not had anything to eat all day, and I just have that craving, there's and I like the bigger ones, but there's just something about that smaller McDonald's bun, and it's soft, and uh, yeah. just oh, just love it, just love it. <laughs> that, and we can't keep ice cream in the house because it calls to me in the middle of the night. Oh yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> In the middle of the night, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. They <laughs> have to develop up. quieter ice cream, right? Quieter ice cream, actually. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Someone dead or alive, fictional or not, that you want to cook, who you want to cook with? Who I want to cook with. That's not something Ooh. anyone has ever asked me. I would love to cook. I would love to cook with my grandmother. Oh, that's nice. I would love okay. to cook with my grandmother because she, when I was too young to really appreciate what she was making and how she was making it she would feed me as long as i would keep eating oh yeah it's just wonderful those are the best grandmas (laughs) okay favorite celebrity chef oh 
Nigella. Ah. Nigella was wow, my, okay. my first love because she is so passionate about how she eats. And it's, yes, it's just, she sure is. She yeah. sure is. I mean, Giada was a pretty face, but Nigella is the whole package. You know, she is just, and she's really good too. She cooks, yeah. she has some amazing recipes and, but I've had enough of Nigella's books and made enough of her stuff that, you know, to know, to trust her recipes. Other than mm-hmm. that, Julia Child, mm-hmm. the true treasure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. And we all love food, but is there one thing that you just, won't eat. I'm not fond of octopus. Ah. I, I'm just, and, and I, I do not like calamari. So it's, it's along those lines of it. I, I will eat it. I have eaten it. You know, I've got this rule. If someone serves it to me because they've made it, I will eat it and try mm-hmm. it, you know, just because it'd be rude not to. Um, when I was in Barcelona, I had the best octopus that I think could humanly be possibly made. They serve me, you know, they bring me out this grilled long piece of an octopus arm and I'm looking at it going, all right, I ate the whole thing. It was so freaking good. I don't know how they seasoned it, how they grilled it. It was tender. It was delicious. So you got to kind of sometimes put those things out of your mind. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you have to face things again with, I always tell people you need to taste things three times. You have to give them a chance mm-hmm. and then make a decision. If you don't like it, that's okay. Yeah. You know, it, 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 that's okay. You, you don't have to like everything. You know, it's, it's once you get used to making something, then it's mm-hmm. time to get creative, you know, uh, and, and that's, that's what it's all about. It's simple. Yeah. Use food that you like to eat and you're going to find more joy in what you prepare and sharing mm-hmm. and nothing is, is better than sharing it with other people. Oh, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for being up for the, uh, the rapid fire fun. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> yes. I, I, I had such a great time with you ladies here today. It was a lot of fun. Great. This was a lot of fun. We really enjoyed this. Good. So just remind our listeners where they can find you. Okay. I am askchefdennis.com and, uh, or you can find me on all the social medias uh, as ask chef Dennis. I'm not on TikTok. I am, but I don't really do anything there. It's, it's something that's there, but I'm tired. So yeah, you know, if I can find a young person to do them for me, maybe, um, <laughs> but, but, uh, it's just not in my wheelhouse right now, but yeah, all social medias, uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Ask Chef Dennis. Uh, if you Google Ask Chef Dennis, I'll come up for pretty much the whole first page, maybe the second. And uh, <laughs> there's a there's a few other Chef Dennises out there, but I don't know who they are. So <laughs> <laughs> they're a Chef Dennis, but you are the Chef I am, Dennis. That's yes, right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Thank, Thank you, you so, much so much for much. joining us today. My pleasure. My pleasure. Bye bye. And now for the fine print. We at Three Kitchens gratefully acknowledge we are telling these stories in the traditional territories of the Treaty 7 Nations in Southern Alberta and the Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 3. We honor the rich tradition of oral storytellers on this land who have come before us. You can find pictures and recipe links on Instagram and Facebook at Three Kitchens Podcast. If you like and subscribe on your podcast player, that helps more people find us.